Hey, you're listening to the Canadian Agent Missional Podcast, and this is one of our special episodes in which we get a chance to talk about the coronavirus, this pandemic, how it impacts our lives, and how do we respond to it as God's people. Let's do this. Hello, 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 everybody. It is a very unique time in history, for sure. We got a chance to talk about this specific circumstance that we're all facing right now. This is a global pandemic. This is no April Fool's joke, even though this is coming out on April 1st. And we just want to jump into it and have a chance to unpack, discuss, think about what does it mean for us to continue to follow God on His mission in this world especially in this time of, of turmoil and in this time of uncertainty and, and a lot that is changing day by day. We are practicing social distancing in the real sense because Shu and Bernard are here, but they are in their own homes. How are you guys doing? Good. The correction, physical distancing. Physical distancing. Yes. We are socially connected. <laughs> social distancing. Social distancing. We are recording this episode online and we're using technology to help us all connect. We're going to jump into that. Shu, what's going on? Uh, dying, man. You guys, <laughs> you guys feel me. Uh, I'm sure all those people with young kids and stuff, it's uh, not easy. Yeah, you, you see what you're, you're made out of, what, what, what kind of parenting you're actually doing when you have to do it and kind of spend time with them all the time. And, you know, and we're, I think we're all involved, all three of us are involved in ministry stuff too. So all the craziness has happened on top of that. So I'm sure it's not easy for anybody right now. Yeah, for sure. All right. Just as a quick recap, this is something that is affecting the whole world. Almost 400,000 people are infected around the world. Almost 20,000 people have died because of this. You know, it's, it's, it's never been experienced in the last, you know, several decades, you know, even our parents have not experienced such a global issue, like a global pandemic. And, you know, maybe grandparents who might be out there, maybe they, they were affected by the Spanish flu way back in 1918. That was a long time ago, just at the end of the First World War. But aside from that, you know, it's been a long time since the world has really seen this kind of global issue. It is truly affecting the whole world on every sense. You know, there. Not only are huge spikes in, in death rates and people getting infected, but it's having an effect on our economy. Countries are closing up borders. Cities are shutting down. Even here in Toronto, we're in the midst of a shutdown right now. And we're recording this a few days before it airs. But pretty much today is the first day that the whole city has shut down non-essential services. And they're just recommending that everyone stays home. And this is really a new way of living. And it's Looking like it's going to be like this for at least a few weeks, and so this, what does this feel like? Sci-fi, man. It this is sci-fi sci episode that we're living right now. Yeah, it's like those movies that we watch, like Contagion, you know, Twelve Monkeys, you know, all those type of th movies. It's like this is this is what we're facing right now. It's something that I think you know will be remembered for a very long time. We are seeing new ways of living and and of being intentional in in this time. 
I want to ask you, Bernard, both of you guys, what, what has been your initial reactions over these last couple of weeks? What has this meant to you and how are you seeing things? Well, for me, I was just trying to wrap my head around what was just going on. Like it's, it's taken me like, yeah, at least a week, if not more, just to process and kind of deal with my own anxieties and, and the change of rhythm of, of pace of life. Yeah. That schedule's all over the place. Things are not the same. Like it just, for me, it was pretty jarring. I don't know. Like I see a lot of pastors or theologians or whoever online talking about, oh, this is how we should live in the midst of this, how we should live in the midst of that. And I was just like, I'm just trying to get back sense of things and and just even spending time with my discipleship group uh with my church a few uh just to like i guess last week we just had to get back to a place where we're just like we need to start right with god again we need that yeah i think our mind space our our kind of heart we don't we don't even we don't know what that looks like anymore and we were just talking about sabbath rest and work and how this is basically making us all have to realize what kind of rest it is, what kind of abiding are we doing right now? And since our whole schedule has kind of changed, yeah, you know, like I had to reframe, I had to reorient myself. There you go. That's the best way to put it. Yeah, and then, for sure. It's like an extended sabbatical. Yeah, well, it, <laughs> while it we is still have to, While we still have to work. <laughs> yeah, but we still have yeah, to work. Yeah. But, but, it, but it, definitely in that relationship with God, it was almost like, Everything was jarring, and then I, I was just like, oh, I need to get back on track with, with God. Just, just, and yeah, that, that was kind of my, my first instinct out of all of it. I think my initial reaction, actually, I remember a couple, probably like about a month and a half ago, in February, I was in the trip to Austin and watching on the TV as uh, things begin to unfold in, in China and how crazy it got. Um, I was just kind of wondering, like, would that, would that actually hit? like North America, will, will we be impacted in the same way? And then now kind of experiencing, experiencing this kind of in the thick of it, like there's definitely a lot of anxiety and fear. Like for myself, when I first thought about this, it was more um, like a personal fear and a personal anxiety. Like, will we get hit by it, our family, with, with the people that we know, with our kids and questions like that. But over time, like I think we uh, began to see kind of the needs around us. Like we think about the people that are aging, um, which is a, a higher hit population. And also like, you know, from our friends who are in the inner city working with people who are without homes and without like places that are, are, are safe, that are secure. Like I think then our hearts and mind began to go there uh, to think of folks like that who, who don't have space. Like even if they wanted to isolate, they, didn't, they don't really have those spaces. That we began to think about those who are who are there in the thick of it. Not to say that we're not, but just there's a lot of people uh, around us. Yeah, for sure. A lot of people are vulnerable. A lot of people in which this virus is going to affect in a lot of big ways. It's almost unbelievable. You know, when you start hearing the news about what's happening in Asia, and then like Bernard was just saying, like thinking about, oh, is this going to affect us? And now it is affecting us. It, it really is almost inconceivable to a certain point because I'm like, wow, this is huge. <laughs> this is really affecting so many people around the world and how certain countries around the world have really been hit very hard because of this. 
and what it's doing to you know people's lives, people's livelihoods, economy, everything. It really is a very confusing, uncertain time. And I do take a lot of encouragement in seeing a lot of people, you know, seeing this as an opportunity, as Shu was kind of saying, to really like slow down, reevaluate, recenter on Christ, really prioritize on what is more important in life, and really see this as kind of an opportunity to to draw close to God in this way. And I'm encouraged by that, but I think there's so much that I don't understand in all of this that it's just taking it day by day, trying to figure it out and living as a family who, you know, who still desires to follow God and trying to figure all that out in relation to our neighborhoods, our church and everything as well. It's, it's thrown a lot of things up in the air. And I think everyone's kind of in the midst of trying to pick up pieces and trying to figure it all out and put it into order. But this pandemic has revealed so much, I think, in our lives. You know, it reveals our theology, it reveals who we are and what we value in our lives. It shows things that we may have been complacent about in, in the past. This really is a, almost a forced, as, as Bernard was saying, a slowdown, a forced sabbatical. And this is bringing out a lot. And so I want to kind of pose that question out to you guys. What are you seeing this reveal, not just in yourself, but the people that you walk alongside, your families, your churches, society? What do you think this is really revealing about who we are? I think this pandemic has been very revealing about like how honest we are with the realities that we are situated in. And I think all of a sudden, you know, like maybe we've always felt like we were in control and there's a certain kind of reality around that. And all of a sudden like you're not in control and there are, there is this invisible force that is not something that you can see, not something that you can grasp. And, and I think it, it causes you to really face, come face to face with like the, the depth of um, like who you are, like your fears, your anxieties, your uncertainties, what you value, what people hope for, yearn for. And I think like there's a there's a realism to to what's happening right now. And on the other hand, like what I've been kind of observing too is like this is idea of like the um, the empire has kind of been revealed like the things that we hold on to like even as we you know listen to the news and what's talk, what's been talked about in the states about you know the the economy is going to crumble and we need to open up the stores earlier and blah blah, blah stuff like that which is kind of crazy because if there's a pandemic people's lives are at risk and you open stores like that's just going to infect more people yeah and kind of like do, do we still hold to, you know, the, this kind of idea of empire, this fueling uh, our cultures, our minds, our imaginations? And I think that this is more than any time I think we've ever come face to face with, like, empires that we hold on to. Mm. Yeah, I think in, in ministry, thinking on a pastor's side, I think it also for us reveals, like, our lack of control over a lot of things. And maybe, like Bernard's saying, how complicit we are even to empire kind of things. And I guess we can define empire, the kingdom of this world, and how at times the church, you know, we, we set ourselves up in a way where you're like, you run things the way that it is, you 
have service just like, oh yeah, just you take it for granted and then this is how things should be. You have access to everything, but now everything is taken away, even to the point where you, we have to like, we can't even be in our churches now. Right? Yeah, like we, we buildings can't are closing. Our, our, yeah, our buildings, we can't even be in there now. And then we also realize, yeah, we can say the church is not a building, but it's like now how do we even gather in intentional presence with one another when there's a virus kind of at play? And every it's kind of shaken for me as as a pastor that you know I you know I could say I have all this education I have all this stuff nothing nothing has prepared me for this yeah I'll take a I'll take a pot shot at some of the things I'm reading online but I, I love how there's all these summits and and online kind of gatherings with people kind of saying like oh come to this thing and and I get it it's a space for people to to meet up and they want to talk, have a dialogue or, or uh, learn dialogically or something like that. And that's cool. But then I also find like, it's so funny. People are like, learn from these experts who, who know how to do these <laughs> things. I'm like, what are you talking about? You're not experts. Like no one has faced this before. <laughs> I, I want to learn from the people who are like, they're, they're trying to come across in a humble fashion, I guess. Like they're like, Hey, let's, let's, let's talk about these things together. Let's work through this together kind of thing. Versus sometimes I see online, it's like, and this expert will be talking to this, this, you know, you know, I'm like, no, like, that. so <laughs> I, I don't know. I, the, the, something for me, it's revealed like still that innate need to control and to sway the herd or something like that. I don't know, like who, who's more influential. Like the last thing, honestly, right now I want to be is influential, but like, I don't want to influence like the masses. I want to just caring and loving to my community and to my neighbors. Like, that's what I'm trying to do right now. And I don't know, I guess other people have parts to play in it, but I just, yeah, something that I've been kind of working out in my head. Yeah. I wonder if part of it too, is like people are longing for like that silver bullet answer. Right. And it's, it's then that's kind of part of our, our culture, right? Like we want that, uh, the one thing that's going to resolve everything. And yet having to really at some point realize that there is no silver bullet. There is no one answer, one pat answer, you know, as local church pastors, like you have to reimagine and be creative in a, in a, in a different way to response. And like, there's no historical precedence in the same way that's going to set us up. That's going to tell us like, these are the six steps to respond in the COVID-19 uh, crises. Um, yeah. Well, maybe you can write that book and make billions of dollars. <laughs> oh, boy. But you know what? I, I, I wonder if this is going back to what you guys were just talking about earlier, too, is that, you know, when we are faced with a situation that is out of our control, what do we do? And some people will seek to still control. Some people will still tr seek to, you know, find some semblance of normality and hold on to it and just be like okay well this is the way we want to control the way we respond or we want to live our lives or we even want to be able to tell others how to live their life and what are the best practices during this time i think there's a lot that kind of goes behind that because even as we see how society responds you know on one side on the extreme sides some people can become very fearful some people start to blame some people start to you know, point to governments and, and start to rail on them. And, you know, we see other people become very racist. You know, they're like, oh, this was from Asia. And then, you know, this is something that is, you know, the Chinese to, flu. Yeah. Chinese I know. Like, 
I was like, how how did those words ever come together? <laughs> like, like, I'm just not sure how that ever got past anyone's brain. <laughs> but, you know, when you guys talk about like people holding summits and people, you know, even as as our churches striving to be like, okay, you know, like we're still trying to hold on to some kind of control in this, but maybe this situation is totally out of our control and it's making us face that, that we have maybe a need for it or a need to control the way we live. It's it's something that's been rumbling in my brain too. I'm just like, well, you know, it's maybe we need to really let go and just say we are completely out of our depths here. <laughs> and and whatever God is kind of putting on our hearts in terms of the way we should live, maybe we should just take it one step at a time instead of just scrambling to figure out life again and to respond to it. I don't know if it's always the most helpful thing. Maybe part of it too is instead of like reactionary and re- like reacting. Not 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 to say that we are we're not doing anything, but I I've been kind of thinking about this. Like I wonder if we realize that like we need to grieve over the systems yeah. that we have held in yeah. place. That we actually need to realize like it life is not going to be the same again at least not anytime soon and it's okay but we need to grieve through that because we just don't know any other way but yet you know for for the christian community i think this is why all the more the idea of hope that is in a savior and a messiah kind of leads us forward out of this grief, which I find very fascinating because right now we're in the Lenten season, which is a time of reflection and, and kind of walking with Jesus on the road to the cross. And, and there is a, a grieving and a despair, but yet it's always juxtaposed with hope and, and a longing for something new to come. I just find it, it's, it's an interesting time. Those two parts can be so formative in our life and should be felt and and should be allowed to be experienced and you know as someone who is often very optimistic and always jumping to the hope side of things even for me learning to let go and learning to be grieving or lamenting or in a sense letting the gravity of the situation fall on me it's it's difficult and I think perhaps as a society and maybe even like within the church, we find it hard to grieve. Maybe we find it hard to really, you know, sit in that type of space because it's not comfortable and it's painful and and we want to do anything we can to get ourselves out of it as soon as possible. Well, what y'all are describing is Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. You know, like yeah. these these stages of formation. And and the ones who are part of Jesus' kingdom, like they are going to have to go through some type of mourning. We're never told <laughs> what kind of mourning and and what kind of you know things we have the situations and how to deal with people and and how to even deal with pandemics, <laughs> you know. And but in the end, it, it's like it it leads us on this step, ever growing, growing to to be part of his kingdom, be part of his likeness. And it is very formative. And I'm sure this will definitely change all of us. Yeah, hopefully for the better. <laughs> hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. You know what, let's talk a little bit about social distancing as that is something that Bernard brought up earlier. 
And there's been a lot of conversation around what does this really mean? And I love how Bernard earlier too was wanting to just clarify that social distancing, like it can't be just taken at face value because then if it becomes kind of the be all and end all, then what does this mean for community and relationships and such like that? And that there is this side of it that's physical distancing and that has been recommended to us, even though some are deciding not to follow that recommendation. However, right now, you know, lots of people are talking about what social distancing is. And so is this a wise practice? Is this overly cautious? What is this also revealing? I was reading an article by Russell Moore from the Ethics of Religious Liberty, whatever guys from Southern Baptist. I'm usually not on the same page with with, with Russell on some things, but he always kind of at least sticks up for certain things that I think makes a lot of sense. He he wrote this article about whether we should keep to follow the government standards for stuff, or as a church, we should kind of re- rebel because of our religious freedoms that we should be separate from the state and stuff like that. Interesting. And then his contention was like, no, man, like you, we, we are fo- like by following these guidelines, we are loving our neighbors. We are living out following Christ. So it's just that this, there's this aspect of, distancing ourselves that's needed but of course we have those people you know definitely who are speaking up like tons of people are speaking out like it's not social distance it's 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 physical distance we still need to be social we're very social and i of course yeah that's very true it's just it's it's kind of for me sad that like we had to get like the terminology was used that way and and i'm sure i don't know i'll give people the benefit of doubt that's not what people meant to do about social distance, but it's probably more like just the terminology that was used. But yeah, definitely not the best terms to use to like refrain from socializing when you're social beings. Like that's, uh, yeah, not great. Yeah. And as you kind of say that, I'm just thinking a lot about what does it reveal about our motives as well? Like, are we thinking about physical distancing or social distancing as a way to love our neighbors, as a way to protect our loved ones and our communities? Like, are we making it for the sake of the other? Or is it for, you know, self-preservation? Is it for, you know, prideful reasons? I know, you know, the, the term social distancing, as, as I've watched people respond, some people use it, or at least it has revealed to a lot of people their own selfishness because they're like, oh yeah, yeah, social distancing, that means I get to do my own thing for how many ever weeks. But I was like, well, I wonder if this is just revealing that we have a natural tendency just to be selfish. And we maybe you can use this as an excuse not to do things. Whereas maybe as we are revealed in this, there is a there is a way in which we can repent of it and uh, at least the ways then in which it is selfish. And to be reminded like, no, like we are called to live with others. We are made to be in community. We are still called to be the church even when we are physically separated and distanced and yet we can still gather we can still be a part of each other's lives we can still gather around the word around prayer around worship and that it might look different and we might need to adjust to that difference but perhaps this is the time that reminds us why it's so important to love one another in that way so wondering just if it's just revealing so much about our motives and where our heart is at in relation to whether or not we practice this or not. 
and here, here's here's kind of like a little bit of a tangent from that though. Like what I found fascinating um, when I was reading this article by Wired.com when they interviewed this epidemiologist Larry Brilliant and how like one of the things that he commented on was was what was fascinating is even though like we're entering into this pandemic, like volunteerism has shot off the roof. And so we can we can talk we can say that it does reveal a lot of selfishness, but at the same time, like even here like in our city, we see this giant group called caremongers beginning to infiltrate through all the cities and beginning yeah. to realize uh, the other was in need, you know, like people started throwing out like, you know, like um there are people who have compromised immune systems or they're the elderly or they just came back from quarantine and then they emphasize no stay home you know we'll get the groceries for you we'll get the stuff for you um and i don't like probably not even half of them could be christ followers but there's this also this kind of revelation in a different way that like i think they're living out that social connection in a different way still realizing the importance of practicing, you know, the, the physical distance that, you know, is is something that the government and the scientists have suggested, and not suggested, almost like mandated, because it is for the safety of, of our nation, right? So, so I think, like, there's yeah, also that. Uh, you know, you know that, that's the hard part, too. Like, to have people actually going out there could also be putting others into precarious situations, too, that you have to think twice about that. Yeah, no, that's that's true too. That's a fair. Yeah, that's a fair. Right, like, like, and and that's the hardest part I think about right now. That it has definitely brought up people's connection with one another. I keep seeing uh, stuff on social media about food banks needing needing still some food, some canned goods, or or whatnot to restock for for the homeless and for those who who do not have like you know people who have you know it's stocked up way too much. But it's like. Like I just heard, I just saw on the news the other day, this person caught the virus getting their mail. And it's, and I'm not just trying to say this in terms of just trying to cause anxiety and fear. It's just like when we, when we hear stuff like that, and this is like, not just hopefully not fear mongering thing from the news, which it probably is just for the sake of sensationality. But like, how do we uh, be, be truly present and joining on that mission in this time? You know, like, it's made me have to think twice about ways that I could actually uh, be a part of. And yeah, that's been on my mind. But maybe it's one of those things where it's not required for us to figure it all out. Maybe it really is just taking it one step at a time to, you know, love our neighbors and to see how in the midst of that, you know, how we are formed, how we desire to show Christ's love to others. And, you know, that is, that could be just part of the process of what does it mean to to right now in this world to be Christ's presence and to be shaped and transformed in that way. And like as we kind of shift towards talking a little bit about as the church, how can we respond? I think there's a lot of opportunity here. You know, even looking back at the early church, the early church, part of the reason why it did explode and, and really grow was that they were the people caring for those in need who were vulnerable the widows, the outcasts, the orphans. And that was such a different perspective and a way of living in that time that people were like, you know, why are you doing that? You know, what compels you to do that? And to see how that affected the life of the church back then. And I don't know if it, you know, has this, will have the same effect here in this age, but, you know, what does it mean for us to continue to truly 
at this time make disciples to be that presence of Christ in the world in the midst of a pandemic? Like, how do we need as a church and as Christian communities to adjust to this? I like this quote that uh, Bernard brought to our attention, the one from uh, Martin Luther. Yeah. Uh, I shall ask, help pure administer medicine and take it. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order not to become contaminated and thus perchance inflict and pollute others and so cause their death as a result of my negligence. God should wish to take me. He will surely find me and I've done what he has expected of me. So I'm not responsible for either my own death or the death of others. If my neighbor needs me, however, I shall not avoid place or person, but will go freely as stated above. See, this is such a God-fearing faith because it's neither brash nor foolhardy and does not tempt God when he was, Martin Luther was dealing with the Black, uh, Black Death plague. And I, yeah, like that, I saw that online too. And I just, it, it's made me think, like, just share with you guys a story. Just yesterday was the last day before the shut, the, the lockdown, uh, where all the all non-essentials were closed and all the buildings essentially were closed. But um, I had to record like four worship services. <laughs> With, with our church. Wow. Help out. Yeah, it was just pretty super tiring. And it was honestly kind of a little bit of, it was gave me a bit of anxiety and, and I had to like really kind of wipe and we had masks and all this stuff. Yeah, it just wasn't the most pleasant experience to like, it was definitely great to worship God, but, and, and social distance worship with one another a little bit too, but yeah, physical distance. There you go. <laughs> physical distance. <laughs> Good correction. Um, yeah, good correction. When I so I got home, I had some masks left, and then my neighbor was outside, and he had he's just having a smoke in his car, and you know we 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 talk here and there, and he's you know he's done some stuff for our family, like like help us with art, like he's a he's pretty handy, and then he's just in his garage. I, I he lives with his mom by himself and stuff like that. He's so older than me, but then just like we we talk, and then it was just a, a moment where I was just like, should I go closer to him or should I just you know rush inside or something? And then I just like. You know, I, I I I have these extra masks, and I just should ask him and see how he's doing, and and you know, pass on some masks if I can. And I was just like, at the same, all these things going through my head. Like, oh, maybe maybe I have the virus. Maybe I pass it on to him by by giving it to him and all this stuff. And my mind just goes out there. But then I just like, okay, I'm just gonna, you know, ask if he likes some masks, and just like if he has doesn't have any, definitely this will help. And he's like, yeah, man, I need this. Yo, thank you so much. You know, and it's just an opportunity just to, you know, show him some love and care during this time and alleviate hopefully some fears for him. These are the things that I've been wrestling with in real time. And maybe that's the kind of chance for us to really discern in these days what the Spirit is leading us to. And if we are to be wise, that means we're not going to be reckless or flippant against, you know, the recommendations that the government has given us. But at the same time, perhaps like if God is calling into a situation where, you know, we might be worried because of what it means and and the possible outcomes. But if God is calling us to it and if he is moving us to it, then can we take that step of faith, recognizing that he is there in the midst of that and he is leading us to something different and something new and even as you were kind of saying, Shu, talking to your neighbor, you're thinking about all these possible outcomes. And like all of those are reasonable. All of those are possibilities. And yet, you know, you were kind of getting the sense that like, yeah, I think, you know, this is what I should be doing. And 
and kind of taking a step in that direction and be open to kind of course correcting as well along the way and recognize that in this time it's not about like just trying to figure out every right decision but just trying to be taking one faithful step at a time if it means entering into a situation which we do worry about that if we are following god that we're trusting that that's our obedience to him and that's our way of loving others and extending his love to others and if that's okay to be enough for us in this time and i think like thinking about those who are wrestling with this you know i I think of like our friends from young street missions and sanctuary and how they're wrestling with this and you know, and, and, and the faith that it, it needs in the midst of all the fear, but all the but also the incredible love for for the people that you know live in, in marginalized and vulnerable uh, states. Like it's you know, like it's incredible too. That's not like like every community needs to rush out and, and do, but I think we can also begin to to discern and see what are the needs in our own communities, in our own neighborhoods. Um, like even for us here. We live in such a, a, a compact neighborhood that surely enough there are people that are in need. And, and I think like even before other caremonger stuff started, like we were talking to our board about, so what does it look like if we to create a, a common pantry in a space where we can kind of support one another in the in the complex and in the neighborhood? And I think these are like little acts that can still you know honor the the, the rules that has been created like physical distancing but yet still find creative avenues to support each other and definitely too like our virtual platforms now is a gift in so many ways that even though we're far from each other we can still utilize these these tools to to continue to to socialize and to relate to one another yeah and like i think now is the time for that kingdom-mindedness where we could share in the stuff that we're learning and like like you're saying, John, step by step, we we walk with each other through those steps. And we, like just recently, I've been trying to do like a, a prayer a prayer gathering for our church. Try to figure out a way to do it with multiple hosts that can screen share, like almost like on Zoom, what we're doing right now. But someone said, "Hey, my pastor's been doing it. Hey, you, you, I'll get you connected. I'll get you showing our platform what we're using." And then, so it's been like, it, yeah, I feel like it, it's been like the space of, of shared life, even in the midst of all this. And I think like one of the things about the church in such a time is this, as we were talking about, like, you know, what, what are some of the discerning faithful responses? Like I've been thinking a lot about, you know, like what the three of us have been reading a book by Andrew Root, uh, talking about pastoring in the secular age. And he kind of engages with Charles Taylor's ideas of the imminent frame and the transcendent frame the transcendental frame, one of the two. But anyways, like, I I don't know, like, maybe this is the time where really in every aspect, the imminent frame is broken. Like, the imminent frame is not going to be the same. And yet, I think I wonder if this is the time for us, the church, to be not curators, but, like, be ones to offer this kind of transcendental and uh, like a different framework, right? And I think prayers and, and how we invite people to experience the divine in such a, a different way, because really the, the imminent and the current current realities is not going to be the same. Yeah. Actually, I'm pretty sure this is going to be next 
you know, epic epoch of time that we're going to have to deal with because yeah, things are not going to be the same. Even when this God willing clears up, like it, it, the economy is like we're talking about, the economy is going to be in a mess. The, how some people uh, have already lost jobs. I've had friends who run businesses and they've had to fire their people and it, it's like, so they can go on EI and it's just, it's, it's, it's a mess. It, it's, it's an absolute crazy. mess. It is yeah, quite so crazy right now. You know what? I think as we're talking about this, as we're dreaming and imagining of what it can look like, hopefully, yeah, like as as we consider how we can be that light in the world, especially speaking into how the imminent frame has been broken or has been really proven that it's just not enough to carry us through, <laughs> like to hold on to that framework, that it it's really you know, inadequate for us to deal with situations like this because it doesn't hold any answers for us. It doesn't hold any hope for us. And perhaps on the other end of this, whenever that is or whatever that looks like, you know, we were just joking about it a couple of days ago on our WhatsApp chat about an awakening. Maybe there's going to be an awakening of, you know, the divine of how he is at work and, and how he is bringing about his redemption all things and uh, something that goes beyond the, the imminent. And so who knows what's going to happen? But in, in the time that we're facing right now, I think it's raising a lot of questions and causing a lot of people to hope and to dream uh, about new things. And for those who find themselves without that, like maybe turning to God in ways that can be you know, truly life-changing in, in encountering God in real ways. But we see a lot of divisiveness out there, and we see a lot of difficulties in being able to change, and how, even as Christians, as churches, you know, how it's, it's shown us so much, and we are in the midst of, of learning through that. And I actually just wanted to, you know, raise up one point. Shu, you talked about just recently going to your church, and we're not saying that, you know, whether one response is right or wrong. You talked about going to your church and recording, you know, a number of different services and such like that. And there's nothing wrong with that. And of course, it is great to continue to minister and to draw people into worship in that way. But I'm wondering if sometimes we're just locked into the way that we've always done things. And then because of that, when a situation like this hits, we are just, we, we you know, we find ourselves trying to hold on to that rather than thinking that maybe, and this is, I don't know if this is going to come across heretical for any of our listeners, but like, what if like we gave up some of our Sunday services? What if we diver diverted some of our efforts and our energy toward a time of prayer or toward caring and be more engaged in, in our, our neighborhoods and such like that? And, you know, this might be too radical of an idea, but I'm just wondering sometimes like, you know, as we consider what does it mean to move forward? And what does it mean for us as a church? Are we going to continue to strive for the same things? Or is this a time for us to be considering if it is time to shift what we really focus on? Well, first of all, that's higher than my pay grade. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, I, no, and I, I, of course, understand what you're talking about. And um, I, I would say this is that it's, there's, there's contextual things within that question. Yeah. Like, so, you know, like I, I would say is the context that I'm in is definitely in, into a certain frame. 
into a certain way of, of doing things. And, but it's also not for the lack of uh, people actually thinking and praying and discerning uh, how else they can engage and what's another way they can engage. And that's why also for me, as much as I, I harp on large church stuff all the time, but yeah, we, we need larger churches. We need smaller churches. We need, we need different forms of church to engage all these different kinds of people. And, and we always need to be reforming, I, I think. So I think in this, in this especially moment is, like you said, it's especially the time where we need to be rethinking how to reform, how to, especially in light of what, you know, where God's leading, where God's bringing us through, in and through. So I, yeah, I'm, that's how I would kind of uh, engage that because, yeah, like, yeah, people could just say, oh, like, this is, this is what's messed up. But you, you think about, like, you know, Anglican Church, Catholic Church, the ways that they are trying to uh, change up their their uh, gatherings, their liturgy, and and even thinking about communion, communion and uh, the Eucharist has been very interesting <laughs> to think through. Like people just like we shut it down, or you tell people to go buy their their you know wine or their their elements or whatnot, like on Amazon or, or whatever. Like continue that, or just or forego it until like it's safe again. You know, like people have to wrestle through this, and it's it's contextual I think, to where people are at in their uh, where they're ministering to. Man, you use the word reformation or reform, be reformed. And I'm just like, wow, maybe it'd be interesting if in the future, the history books write that the first reformation happened because of indulgences and the second one happened because of COVID-19. That would be really interesting (laughs) to see if that is going to be the case. (laughs) If not reformation, at least reframation. Reframing. <laughs> oh, we're plugging uh, Alan Hirsch. <laughs> if you think about it, it's not necessarily just the Reformation aspect of it, but like we are in a different time. The way that we will do church will be very different in the next little while. Like we are reframing because it reveals our value systems. It reveals our our way to understand missions, our way to practice, you know, every aspect of, of what church is about, even the way that we care and and nurture and love one another. Like, um, you know, like there's all this debate online about, oh, should you do live cast or, you know, like, is that even a good thing? Blah, 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 stuff like that. And there is like even these questions that are reframing us because we need to, to acknowledge that the frame that we had just would not really fully work over the next little while. So I think we are we are having to to really wrestle through. Yeah, maybe we will all be like simple churches. I don't know. I can only hope, Bernard. I can only <laughs> <laughs> You know what, to wrap up our time today, perhaps if each of us could share a little bit about, you know, right now, what is the hope that the church can bring at this time? What do you guys feel is needed for us to continue to wrestle with as it pertains to what we hope that things might look like when this is said and done, if it is said and done anytime soon, or if not. But as we think about moving forward, as we think about the future, as we think about where things can be afterwards, you know, what are your kind of final reflections as we kind of wrap up this episode? I think the future is hard to to really discern. But yet I know that we all have and share the hope in Christ and, you know, the, the the ultimate victory that is in Jesus. But 
But I think like one of the things that I've been kind of wrestling with is this idea of Jubilee and how like in, in the scriptures, um, especially in Leviticus and Numbers, it describes um, the sabbatical rest here, this Jubilee that everything is restored. Like literally like all debts are paid, all everything is kind of dealt with. And I wonder if part of what we look forward to and as we move forward, like what is this kind of practice of Jubilee look like as we, as the church and we as the nations kind of come out of this COVID-19. I know that like the, the, the economy is going to need rebuilt, like our, our, our global systems need to be rebuilt. But is there, is there this space with this, this, this practice of Jubilee, this, this restoration, this year of celebration, this year of like new hope, you know, out of years of debts and years of like carrying uh, the weightedness um, to be able to to kind of live forward in, in a new way. So I, I don't know. That's just one thing that came to mind for me. It, it, you know, you, you guys know my spiel. It's always kind of about discipleship. It's always this: what kind of life are we going to show to people? Because ultimately, that's what's you know we're we're walking with people, regardless if it's going to be on. Uh, in person or even online, but the people that message us, the people who God is lead, the, the Spirit is leading us to, do we model what following Christ looks like in the midst of all this? And it doesn't mean having all the answers, which I think some people may think it is, but this kind of transparent life that's like, hey, I'm 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 following Christ. Uh, I'm I'm seeing what God wants for me in just you know where I'm at right now and doing the best that I can in that way. And, and as the world changes, as it's this new space, it's like, I'm, I'm still going to cling close to God, you know, and I'm going to see where he's leading, leading me and how he wants me to invest in others and, and care and share the gospel, you know, to others. So it's just like, yeah, I feel like that's like, how do you still be faithful in those discipling relationships and have the grit to kind of, to, to keep to that, I think if, if if that's what Christ you know gives us in in terms of you know his mission. Yeah, I I for sure resonate with both of you guys, and I think for me as I think about what things can be right now, my hope and prayer is that the church is the greatest example of of God's love and how it embodies Christ's presence in our neighborhoods and to others. And in the same way, you know, to think about like how it can be also this space that people can encounter God in real ways as we, as we grow as disciples. And what does that mean for us to start perhaps reconsidering the things that we do? I think especially in this time, so much grace is needed. I think all the divisiveness and the confusion and also the, the fear, it is so critical that we fall back on the grace of God in this time. And hopefully the church and the people of God can be the, the, the ones to point to that and the, way, the ones to really show that in the way they live their life. And regardless of what decisions or directions that churches end up going and uh, where we are at as, as pastors or those who are in ministries or those who are just living faithfully, that you know, that the grace of God, the love of God can be experienced and, and the presence of God can be seen 
you know, as we are considering um, what does it mean to take a step forward? And, and so with that, like, you know, where, where things can go afterwards, my hope really is that like, that if we focus on that now, that will shape our future. And that, you know, when, when this is said and done, um, whatever it is looking like afterwards, that, that it will be for the better for uh, who we are as Christ followers and as churches, that we will really be having been shaped by a period of intentionally seeking out God where we were totally out of our depths and out of control. And as we sought to love one another and to continue to gather and to continue to, you know, extend that grace outwardly, that that will profoundly change who we are, the things that we focus and value on as we head forward. Anyways, what an episode. What a time to be in. We just want to thank you guys so much for your time and for listening to this episode. And we want to hear your thoughts. Don't be surprised if we're not able to come out with as much content over the next number of months because we really don't have as many opportunities to get together and we don't know how long this thing will last. But we really appreciate how we are able to be on this journey together. And so if you haven't done so already, please remember to rate and review and subscribe to our podcast so that we can continue this conversation and we can reach more people with it. And we would really love to see how you are interacting with this pandemic that we are all in and how it's affecting you and your churches and your community. You can reach us on email, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And so let's keep this going online, especially because that is the main way in which we are engaging right now. And so we hope to hear from you soon. Once again, you have been listening to the Canadian Asian Missional Podcast, and we hope you'll join us on this journey. See you next time. Peace.